GBC Podcasts, local voices on demand. Hi, I'm Justine Cartwright, and every week I bring you life stories on GBC television. Everyone has a story to tell, and on the programme we meet people from all walks of life, and we listen to their stories and personal journey in their own words. We're often told to chase our dreams, but sometimes that's not possible and few of us have the opportunity to do so. So when you get the chance, you've got to run with it. Doesn't always work out though, and at some point or another, we come to a crossroads in our life. And at that point, we have to choose a path. Today, we speak to someone who did just that. Let's meet Colin. Colin, I opened with one of the things we love to tell our kids mm-hmm. or we've heard before for ourselves, which is follow your dreams, we'll support yeah. you and all the rest of it. But few people actually have the privilege to follow their dreams and achieve them. Mm. You did. Well, you, you try. I tried, you to tried. be perfectly honest. Yeah, maybe partially um, achieved it. But um, if I'm completely honest, I would have liked to have done more. You would have liked to have yeah, done more? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, when I finally got the chance to go abroad and play football, maybe for a living, um, I think that second opportunity maybe came a bit too late for me. Um, I was nearly 23 by then and it prob- it's probably a bit too late to start off. My first opportunity was the right time maybe um, when I was 18 and I had the chance to go to Malaga who were a first division side in, in Spain at the time. So that was probably my best opportunity. It came at the right time in terms of my age, but maybe the wrong time in terms of, um, let's say, politically. Uh, and here's the problem, because as usual, yeah. politics doesn't well, mix with sports, when, does when, it? Not necessarily when, when you're from Gibraltar and you, you, you have to deal with all the obstacles that, that, that come upon you because of the, the relationships that we've had with, with Spain in the past. Unfortunately, when that opportunity came along, um, the Bosman ruling wasn't in place yet, so they could only have three foreign players. I was asked to change my nationality from British to Spanish, which I Ouch. was reluctant to do at yeah. the time. Um, so, yeah. Um, <laughs> It, it, it was like giving you, achieving that dream and then and that being like Taken completely away. snatched away and, and it was a, a, a quite a knock, to be honest. So did you get to actually play in the league with Malaga? Not the league, no. I went over for the pre-season. Um, all the paperwork was, was, was getting done. Um, and then we got the news that, that we couldn't um, apply for dual nationality, which is what, what the steps that we took at the time. Um, get the dual nationality, still maintain my British uh, passport and just get the, the Spanish passport so that I could sign the paperwork. Uh, Forgive my ignorance, yeah. you that know everything about football and me very little, if anything at all. Uh, teams all over the world are, are made up of a combination of multinational players. Yeah. yeah. They don't ask them to change their nationality. Well, they, nowadays right? things have changed a lot. Uh, rules in Europe have changed so much. And you can see teams in, in UK where 
maybe 90% of, of the side is, is made out of foreign players. So those rules have changed since. Um, those rules weren't in place at the time when I was 18. So that, that, that opportunity for me like, went down the drain and it was, it was a big, a massive knock for me, uh, to be honest. When the second opportunity came along, which was to go and play for Glentoran in Northern Ireland, I, I, I wanted to use that as a platform to maybe get into England. Um, but as I said, it, it came a bit too late for me, to be honest. Why did at, you think it was too late? Well, at 23, recently married and so on, it's not the ideal circumstances for you to start a professional career uh, and such a change in, in your footballing style as well. It's so different and those who, who play football might, might understand, even nowadays when, when you get players from Spain going into England where the style of football is different, it takes time for them to adapt at times. For me personally, it was a, a, a massive, massive change. Um, and uh, from playing across the border in Spain to then playing in Northern Ireland, first division, where everything was physical, you know. Um, and you've got the, te the weather as well. It's different, isn't it? It's different, but Climates. weather is something you put up with. I mean, it, it is a challenge uh, playing in, 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 in snow-covered grounds and so on and, and the cold and so on, but you can adapt to that. Yeah. Um, it's still something you need to adapt to, of course. But the, the footballing elements are the ones that, that you struggle a bit more with. Um, I adapted, fine, okay, but still, when you want to start a career in a sport, maybe 23 nowadays is, is a bit too late to start. Late. Yeah. Um, you might get a break at 23, but when you're already in the system. So when you were in, let's, let's talk a little bit about Northern Ireland, because that's um, probably the... Did you, did you enjoy that part of it the most? No, I, I loved it, to be honest. How long were you there for? Uh, I was there for a season. Then I came back to Jib. Then uh, we went back to Northern Ireland again with, with Sharon, with my wife. We spent uh, another half season there. She came back before I did, so I stayed there to the end of that season and, and then came back to Jib. This was back in 93. Um, the troubles were ongoing as well, so that wasn't I was easy say, for... I going to say, did you feel safe? Uh, yeah, <laughs> yes, you could say I did, um, but nevertheless, we used to visit some places in Northern Ireland that, that, that I played for a, a team from East Belfast, Glentoran, um, and they weren't too radical in terms of what your religion was, what your religious beliefs were, uh, but when we used to go to, say, Linfield and played those, those home derby games and they were uh, mostly Protestant and so on, the clashes were intense, to say the least, you know, and the hatred between the two sides. Incredible. Um, places like West Belfast, uh, where the, 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 they were predominantly IRA supporters as well, you know, the, the, I mean, the hatred and the, the, the rivalry was, was, was massive, you know. Something you have to get, a, a, you have to adapt to as well. You know, getting security dogs sniffing around the changing room before you 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 walk in to get changed to play the game. Wow. You know, things like that. And and there's those kinds of challenges that that you need to adapt to. When it comes to the sporting element, you know, I, I enjoyed it massively. The personal ish, uh, elements as well. I, I mean, the people were, were gorgeous people at a personal level. But there are many other aspects that you have to to adapt to and. and it's not easy to do, but as I said, had I got the break, maybe, I mean, the perfect break for me, whether I like it or not, was when I was 18 and going with, to Spain. That was more or less the style that, that I played, and I was fortunate enough to play with the first, with the first squad, with the first team.
um, in what was really my trial game uh, in a testimonial for for Juanito, who was the manager at the time. He, he'd played for Real Madrid uh, previously and he was the manager there. I've always been super critical of my own performances, whether I had a good game or a bad one. Um, I always focused on the negatives, you know, the things that I needed to improve. But this was one of those games where you say everything went well, you know, everything came your way, uh, uh, everything was just perfect. And I don't know whether it was my performance or the fact that I was supported by such good players as well that made it so much easier to well, do it as well. Is a team Which is, yeah, as well, again, yeah. it's one, one of those where all the elements have to come into play at, at the right time. And it was per basically the perfect game. And that's what triggered me going over to Malaga. So, so when, I, 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 le I when, left, basically, I went to Malaga. You played for a couple of teams in Spain as well. Yeah. What's the difference between semi pro and pro? I mean, you lived off this for a yeah, while. Uh, the short, easy answer to that is um, the dedication, um, the amount you dedicate um, to basically develop and improve as a player. I mean, I've, I've played with, um, I've been, uh, well, mostly you've been an amateur and, and I've played with players at an amateur level that are more professional than a professional player. The, 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 the fact that you're a semi-pro is in a sense a part-time footballer. Uh, if you're a professional, you're a full-time footballer. But the mentality is, it has nothing to do with the fact of whether you're a professional or semi-pro. And I've played with amateur players who have been more professional in their mentality than the actual players who get paid right. for it, you know. So for me, it's all about mentality. Um, being a professional player, you get paid for something that, that, that you're good at, um, supposedly, uh, something that you like. But you need to have a proper mentality to make it uh, to, to top level. And this is what the top level footballers have. But top level at anything you do in life, whether you're in banking or whether you're in, in whatever you do in, in the fire service like I am now, your mentality is what pushes you to be better. Yeah. Um, and not the amount of money that you win or what have you. you get, these players earning £300,000 a week who still miss penalties. And you'd say, how, <laughs> how can a guy earning £300,000 miss a penalty? Well, yeah. we're human beings, you know. It's, you should it's, be sacked. Well, you should. <laughs> uh, but it, it's all about, um, you know, having the mentality to, to, to carry on, to uh, play through adversity and so on. And, and when you have a bad game, um, use that to learn and get better in the next one. And, and I suppose that's the same thing in life, you know, you learn from every day, uh, a day without learning is a day wasted, you know, yes. that's what it's all about, you know, Can learning. Can we safely say that you are one of Gibraltar's best players? I wouldn't answer that question. <laughs> no, I, 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 I would never answer that question. Um, I've been asked before and I'm, I'm, I'm never going to answer that question. Yes, it's for modest. me to answer. No, it's, I don't think that's for the individual to answer it. So I think it, that's for yeah. others to, to have to an judge. opinion on it yeah. and to judge on. Um, if if my, my intention was always to try and be better at what I did and, and what I do, um, and not because I wanted to be judged in any way. It's yeah. just that you I just loved the loved game. It was my dream. dream. Oh, yeah, it was yeah. my dream. It was the game I've always loved and, and still do. Um, and I'm passionate about it. I've always, I always have been. It's always been my passion. You know? So as a bystander now, 
your path having gone down a completely different route. You've seen a massive change to football locally. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. How do you see it from your point of view, having lived what you lived? First of all, um, super jealous. Super jealous. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, but in a, in a in a in a good way. Yeah. Um, envious. I have so envious. Yeah, that that's the that's the word. Um, I have so much respect for for the guys that, that are playing football now at this level. Um, because we're up against it every single game. Um, the challenge is so, so big. Um, they're playing against World Cup champions. They're playing against European champions. They're playing at, at, against people who play at the highest level. And I, I, I hate when I listen to criticism that that is unjustified to a certain right. extent. You know, I, I mean, it's such a tough task. And, and those who have played football before and who understand football, have to understand that, that these guys are, are underdogs, whoever they play against. It takes courage to do it that. It takes courage to, to um, get on that stage, you know, and, and, um, and, and try and play football against people who are playing at the highest level, earning so many thousand pounds a week, as I said before, 300 yeah. to a million pounds a week. Um, you get Ronaldo now earning 3.5 million pounds a it's week disgusting. only. Yeah. You know, it's disgusting. It's terrible. How much money can one have? <laughs> I mean, uh, it's, it's ridiculous to be honest, but um, you get these players playing against that kind of caliber, you know, and, and um, for people not to respect that, I think it's, 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 it's ridiculous, you know. Colin, so I've played with some of them even. Uh, the, of course. Yeah, the, the Roy Cipollina and Lee Cassiaro. Yeah, That's and, right, the old And I, I really team. do have the utmost respect for every single one of them. Yeah. We're going to go and uh, sit in your, where you put on your other hat yeah, yeah, now. Yeah, okay. Let's go and have a look Come on to my at where you live. Let's go. Colin, yep. footballing to firefighting, massive difference. How did we get here? Um, right, so um, I used to be in banking. Banking? I came back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Funnily oh enough, not gosh. many people know, yeah. After yeah, I came back to Jib. And this opportunity came up um, for this dream job, because it is a dream job for me. Um, my dream was always football, as you know, I've been passionate about that, but um, this is a dream job for someone who likes physical activity, uh, uh, sports, That's uh, what teamwork. You. This brings it all together, to be honest. It's rewarding. Um, you get to do things like rope rescue, things that you would do on a holiday. Um, physical activities um, you get to do as part of your job um, and to top it all, all up uh, you're serving the community um, you're helping people out every single time you go out um, unfortunately it's always because someone needs uh, assistance um, yeah. however good or bad that may be or, or however big or small the incident is but it's so rewarding to know that every day you come to work and your ultimate aim is to help somebody out. You can make a and difference. And that is so rewarding. Um, Tell me a little bit about your climb in the ranks. You obviously started right down at the bottom, one yeah. of the guys. It's very well known that firefighters are very, very close. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's a family. I, I'd like to think that um, we all form a team from the firefighter to the chief fire officer. Um, I think it's um, 
I may be repeating something that, that you, you hear very often about the fire service, but it is really a family. Um, the day-to-day -day is very much like the day-to-day -day in anyone's home. Um, you do everything together. Um, and again, you go to incidents and at times you rely on your colleagues um, to look after you, uh, to safeguard you. It is kind of strange, but it's, I've never felt that, that I was coming to a job. Uh, I used to leave uh, home on a Sunday um, when your family is off um, and I never saw it as I'm going to work. My wife hated me for it because um, I loved what I was doing you know, for a living. Um, and she always used to say, there you go, you're happy now, you're going to work. <laughs> and I used to say, yeah, I've always been really passionate about my job. I loved it. Um, I've had so many good times, some very rough times as well, uh, to be honest. You, you do see many things that you'd wish you, you didn't have to. Um, but I suppose it's part and parcel of the job. You deal with it and then you, you get on and prepare for the next one. But it's been a brilliant ride, to be honest, for me. Um, and throughout the years that I've been in the service now, coming up to 23, um, if there's one thing I've felt throughout my career is supported by everyone. My aim has always been to be the best possible that I can be at every level, and, and I've never been obsessed with getting a promotion. Um, I came in, obviously, as a firefighter, as everyone does. And I was never in a rush to go into the promotion kind of train. Um, the opportunity came up a few years after, did my exams, qualified, applied. Um, I don't think I got it the first time that I applied. I, I got it later on. Went up to leading firefighter and from then on, it, it, it just, once you get on that train, you just... You just like, carry on. You just carry on and, and, and do the best you can at every level, you know. But, there's something it's never been that people, an obsession, to be honest. There's something that people don't appreciate, and that's the amount of, first and foremost, studying yeah. that you guys do to go through. And yeah. secondly, a small firefighting service like we have in Gibraltar mm. here, yeah. anywhere else in the world, say a small market town in the UK, yeah. are only trained to put out fires. Well, but you're yeah. trained to dive, climb rocks, rescue, I'll, I'll, I'll... a whole host of things. Yeah. Um... It, it's, it can be so challenging to be an emergency responder, let, let alone just in the fire service in, in a place like Gibraltar. Everything is so personal at times. Um, and it's a massive challenge to be prepared for practically every single eventuality. You look at all the risks that surround us in just two and a half square miles. And um, that's all, that, that all has to be covered with a day-to-day -day training program and so on. It's all very meticulous. Uh, you don't often get, we're not after praise at all, uh, don't get me wrong, but you don't have to get the recognition um, of how much work has to go into the day-to-day -day of running a fire service. Yeah. Um, and as you said, I studied um, more in, in the, the, the last 23 years than I ever did in school. I never studied in school, to be honest. My passion was football. <laughs> and all I wanted to do was go, go down to the playground and play football. Um, never went to uni. Um, but as I said before, once you get into the promotion train, you start trying to continue to develop yourself and improve and so on. And, and uh, the amount of studying that not just myself, but all the other officers here do is, is incredible, whether it's doing professional courses, undergoing training in instructors and so on. 
and the, there's a lot more to the fire service than than, than you can see from the outside at times. Yeah. You know, um, I, I, I get that's the difficult bit. I'll give you an interesting uh, stat as well, because many people like to compare Gibraltar to the UK. Yeah. And you cannot compare Gibraltar to the UK. You have to compare like for like. Uh, and there are services in the UK that, that go out maybe, what, 100 times a year. Um, an interesting stat, London has 103 fire stations, I think, within London. Okay. Over 5,000 firefighters. They've got more wow. firefighters than the whole of Scotland put together. Wow. They attend, on average, per station in London, around 1,060 times. I, I did the study not, not long ago. We attended 1,100 times last year. So just That's as an interesting incredible. stat for you in comparison to individual stations, um, we don't do that bad. Um, and the amount of expertise that we need to have in Gibraltar is, in comparison to some stations in, in the UK, is, is I, I get a question asked very often by colleagues in the UK, how do you sleep at night? How do you sleep at night? Um, because there's so many risks. Um, we've got uh, a fully functional ports and airports and LNG plants. We've got all sorts of risks. Um, warships coming in, high-rise buildings, um, and Gibraltar is developing at a rate. Um, and we have to prepare for all of that. We have to. It's not all about how many incidents you attend, but how prepared do you have to be for those incidents? Diver rescue, so challenging. Yeah. Rope rescue. Um, yeah. And uh, it's about that preparedness that we need to... So when you take, or do you take this home, how does this affect your daily life? Such a you're, you're now at the top of the rung. You've climbed all the way up, studied your way up, worked your way up. You're at the top. Do you take this home? How does it affect your daily life on, on a day-to-day -day basis? I don't disconnect. And, and my family can tell you that you, you, I don't think you can afford to disconnect completely. Um, but my peace of mind lies behind the trust that I have in, in my team, um, whether it's senior management team um, and operational staff, the controllers, the admin staff, fire safety. Everybody works so hard and I have such a level of trust in all of them to do to do the job because they, they they've demonstrated to me in the past and 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 they will continue to do that I'm sure um, they give everything that they can to resolve any kind of incident we saw it recently uh, at the tunnel and and uh, with the limited resources that we have the work that that we do and, and it, I'm not just saying it because I'm, I'm I'm the chief fire officer now but the work that that everyone does in this department is incredible to be honest um, so my peace of mind lies behind the trust that I have in the team. Yeah. Uh, and when I say the team, I mean the GFRS as a whole. Yeah. Um, you mentioned the tunnel incident, and I wanted to bring back, thank goodness that we don't have too many major, major incidents. Yeah. But as a person, as a man with all of this on your shoulders, mm. living in, in such a small community, yeah. when a big incident like that goes down, how do you feel when you see comments on social media or mm. does that affect I, you? I, 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 I don't follow social media, to be honest. Um, and um, yeah, I do see stuff because people send it and so on. Um, but I, I don't like to focus on social media, if I'm honest. I don't like to focus on praise or I don't like to focus on, on negative issues. We make an internal assessment of how we've done in certain uh, instances. We don't 
um, we don't react to what any external comments may be or what have you. Um, we know what we have to do. We know what our procedures are. We know when we perform well and when we make mistakes because everybody makes some mistake, um, some more significant than others. So we make our own internal assessments. We have our debriefs and so on, and then we will react accordingly. We, we will, the things we do well, we'll carry on doing, and the things we don't do so well, we'll improve on them. And, and that's the basis of everything. I mean, you, you, you want to learn from your mistakes, and you want to ensure that you don't make the same mistakes again. You'll make new ones, but let's not repeat the same yeah, mistakes again. Learn from and that's how you develop. When you say, how do you feel about, um, listen, uh, uh, it's all about, um, again, trusting the training, trusting the knowledge and trusting the character of the team. The officers that have to send their own friends, if you want to call it, because ultimately, whether or not they're under your command, um, they are still people you live with, still people that, that are, become friends of yours. Um, you know that they've got relatives, they've got kids at home. Still, you have to send them into an environment that is not safe at all yeah. so that lies in the back of your mind all the time uh, as ultimate responsible obviously you've got that concern yeah um but once again i trust uh the the, the team to to get it right and to do the, the right things that they need to do at the right time and so on and then you've got the guys who actually walk in and and they are the ones in charge at that moment i mean they are the ones who are inside they are your eyes inside you know um, so, once again, it, it, it's all about that trust element that you need to have on those. Um, you, you can't control everything. You can't micromanage, and I, I don't like micromanaging. I like to let people do their jobs and, and get on with it and, and get it done. And, and that's what I'm here for, to support them and to give them all the tools that they need to be able to do that and safeguard us as members of the community. I'm another member of the community as well. GBC Podcasts, local voices on demand.